The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This is Being Bumo, a podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring, but also willing to share with us how it really is. Because as we all know, parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Hi, Boomos. Welcome to the very first episode of Being Boomo. I am so excited as I've been waiting for this day to come. As I was thinking who I should have as my first guest, I knew it had to be my co-founder, Joan Nguyen. She has become one of my closest friends as we've been building Boomo for the past few years together. I personally learned so much from her. Sometimes when I have to make a decision, I sit there and ask myself, what would Joan do? Prior to becoming the co-founder and CEO of Bumo, she built an education company called Mary Education. She built this company with only $3,000 of personal savings money to what became an Inc. 5000 company eventually. She created a learning experience founded on quality, innovation, effectiveness, and passion. She's been revolutionizing the landscape of education for a very long time, and that is why I knew I needed her as my co-founder for Bumo. She is a mother of two and probably one of the hardest working women that I've met till this day. In today's episode, we talk about the guilt we face every day as working mothers, open up about marital issues, and how we've literally built Bumo Brain Virtual School in the midst of a pandemic while having our kids at home, and how it's never too late to chase after your dreams even after you have kids. With that said, here's our conversation. Okay, Joan, this is so weird because we are having a conversation on Zoom and not in person, but I guess this is our new reality now. I know, it's so weird. I mean, I I think I see you more on Zoom now than I have like I mean, in person for sure, because of COVID and everything. This is so crazy. Well, thanks for doing this with me. Um, I know that you probably have kids today and we are filming this on the weekend. So thank you for taking the time. And I just want to talk about kind of everything of us and how we got to where we're at. I think a lot of people are just curious about kind of our dynamic. Um, I talk a lot about you, but you're kind of like this mystery woman online, because (laughs) first of all, you are private on Instagram, so no one can find anything about you. (laughs) Um, And I I just find what you've done in the past is so fascinating. And personally, I really, I mean, this is going to sound a little cheesy, but I do look up to you in so many ways because of the millions of things that you're able to do. So before we kind of dive into it, let's talk about that. Let's talk about your background. Like, how did you get into education? And I mean, was it something that you planned and you thought that you're going to yeah. be doing? Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's like such a whirlwind, right? Um, I guess I'll jog it back to like, I mean, I'll try to not take too long explaining it, but I mean, in high school, right. I was a total, I mean, just not the ideal student. My parents were like refugee parents. They never went to college. So I was the oldest of four. And so, you know, all eyes were on me to become, you know, the doctor or the lawyer or whatever. Right. And I was like a gross disappointment (laughs) to my parents when I graduated high school with like a 2.8 GPA. 
I hid my report cards and, you know, in the end I got into zero colleges and it just felt so guilty and such a disappointment. And then imagine I got into a college, right? Just because of my standardized test scores at the time. So I got into college and then I, something clicked in my brain and I was just like, you know, I, I can do this. Like I can be a really, really good student. And so I just like started to study really, really hard ended up graduating summa cum laude. So top 2% of my class. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like a crazy turn of events. And then, um, you know, started tutoring kids because then I understood, right. What made a student really like click. And it wasn't about aptitude. It was about passion and perspective. So for me, tutoring kids was like a sense of mentorship. And then I just became so hooked on this idea of like, how do I change a child, a student, and how they view education. And um, just started tutoring kids at their houses when I was like 19 years old. And then, you know, when I was 20, I was like, maybe I should like make this a real thing. And then I did. Um, And then I started my company, Mary Education, when I was about 21. And it just kind of like, I mean, everything just kind of came from there. Um, We had like four locations and, you know, really was able to tutor kids all over the world when we went virtually. And it's just been a wild ride. Um, I mean, who would have thought anybody in high school looking back, like really Joan, the one who asked for hall passes all the time and wandered around (laughs) campus and never did anything is now like, you know, has her own tutoring company, published textbooks and everything. But, you know, that's, that's the beauty of education, right? It's like such a great tool to, to morph you and change you into a new person. And, mm. and that's why I think it's so special. And, you know, ever since then I've been, I guess, hooked on education. And that's so crazy because it's not like you graduated from this crazy school, no. um, but you're getting kids into these crazy Ivy leagues type of schools. And that just shows you that it's, as you mentioned, it's not like it was anything special. It was just like this attitude that you had to kind of dig deep inside your soul to find that you could actually do it. So I love the, when I met you and I first, um, and we met a long time ago though. Like I, I feel like it's unfair when um, people are like, when did you meet? And I'm like, well, we actually met like 13, 15 years ago when we were both like in college, right? 19 or 20. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that in a bit too, um, because that's a very interesting story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But what I found fascinating when you were telling me your story before was that it's not really about, you know, teaching them. Of course, you have to know like the basics and the ABCs and one to threes to like fundamentally get there. But it's really about making it fun. And like your teaching style is so different than I guess you can say your quote unquote typical tutor centers. And that is why you've been able to build your small business into an Inc. 5000 company and even beat some of these like top review places that people automatically think of when they think of tutoring, right? What What is that like? Because when, when I first heard that, I was like, what do you mean? Like, how do you teach someone to like have a better attitude about studying? And can you give us like a, a perfect, like a little example Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's, it's all comes back to the personal touch, right? I mean, when you're talking about something so heavy and so serious, like education, it's not something that you can just like roll out in like this, like super dry clinical way. 
like Mm -hmm. to motivate a student to like really like dial into education. And, you know, you have to like think about their passions, their interests and, you know, really, really get to know them. And I think for me, you know, one key thing is like my students, I, you know, for the last like 15 years that I've you know, had marriage education, you know, I just really tried to get to know them. Actually, like on my desk right now, I see a wedding invitation from one of my students who I'd known since she was 13. And actually I was supposed to go to three weddings this year from students. And that just goes back to like the personal touch, right? Um, It's about kind of understanding who they are, what their passions are and teaching them in that specific way. So whether it's making funny euphemisms so that they can remember things or like reframing their interests, right, within the framework of what they like. So, you know, if a student is really into writing and graphic design, you know, I challenged one of my students to write a graphic novel, right, a comic book, basically, and that was really fun for him. And so, you know, it's really kind of like digging deep and tapping into, you know, who that person is um, and starting from there as opposed to thinking about what the academic goal is, right? You know, for me, it's never, okay, let's get into Harvard, Yale, or let's get a 4.5 or get in, get fives on all these AP tests. It's more like, you know, who are you and what motivates you as a student? And then I start from there and then we reach our goal. Mm, I see. And you're also the cool teacher that wears a Supreme (laughs) backpack, a leper Supreme backpack. Um, (laughs) That's uh, like when I picture Joan, I think of her like in like a chic all black outfit with like her Cartier bracelets. And then (laughs) this like really cute Supreme leopard backpack that she carries around. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's amazing. And I I definitely see you bringing that all obviously to BBS, Boomer Brain as well. Um, Just like that personal touch. But before we go into that, let's talk about kind of, because I know that I know what you and I have been through, but let's talk about and normalize just the buildup of being a working mom, really. And I remember you telling me this one time when you were pregnant, you would like, or you just had Elliot, I think it was, Mm -hmm. you would shuttle like your entire company into your living room or your dining room. (laughs) And you would pretty much do business as usual, but at your home. And your husband was like, getting quite frustrated with the process. (laughs) To say the least. (laughs) Yeah, to say the least. But, you know, as a business owner, a small business owner, and obviously as a woman who just had a baby, right? like, how was that like? And how did you kind of navigate during those times? Oh, man, it was awful. I mean, at that time when I had Reagan, you know, there was no Bumo. Um, I was still doing Mary education. And funny enough, she was born on the biggest deadline for college applications, November 30th. And so, and, you know, just some background is I do tutoring, but my main thing is college admissions consulting. So, you know, that was just like a big time. And I just remember this, like just immense guilt I had, like, I I didn't want to tell my, my employees, I didn't want to tell my clients, you know, the day that I was working from home and I had one employee at my house, you know, I, I was timing contractions as I was working and I told her to go back to the office. And I was like, don't tell people that I'm in labor you know, tell them that I went to dinner or something and you had to go back to the office because, you know, I just didn't want people to be worried. I didn't want the team to be like, oh, well now Joan's going to be a mom and she's in labor and the company will implode. Right. And so, you know, I, I hit it and even hit it from clients. And even like, I remember mid December, one client emailed me and was like, um, your baby is far past you. <laughs> when are you going to have this baby? She was concerned. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I had her like two weeks ago. So, 
there was the guilt from the work side. And then of course there was like the guilt hugging, you know, from the kind of like personal family side, right? There was a guilt of me wanting to be a more present mom when I, you know, had been, you know, an absentee, everything else, absentee, you know, sister, daughter, wife to devote myself to work. And then, you know, having my daughter, I was like, no, this is it. You know, this is when I stopped being an absentee, everything else, and try to at least be a present mom. And that was hard because I still wanted to do everything really, really well. Um, and so the compromise was like, like you mentioned, right. As I talked to my husband, I said, okay, can the team just come here so I can be home? So I shuttled the team, you know, down to my like house and they were working from my, you know, living room and family room and everything and dining room. And, and then that's what it was. It was like, I would work downstairs, come upstairs and, and breastfeed. And I was just exhausted. Like I was tired. I would cry upstairs. You know, when the team was working downstairs, wipe off the tears, come downstairs and work, hear my daughter crying, feel guilty, run upstairs again. And that just like looking back was psychologically, emotionally, and physically probably the most exhausting time of my life. Yeah. And you know, it's so strange to hear the story again, because now that I think of it, I'm like, that's exactly what I did too. I mean, I didn't shuttle my entire team to my house, but, you know, I, I would feel so guilty as well of like being, becoming a mom all of a sudden. And I'm like, now that I think of it, I'm like, why, why would I feel guilty about becoming a mom? Right. As if like that is going to take away from everything else I'm doing. If you think about men and once they become a dad, you know, I guarantee you that they don't even for a second think about feeling bad becoming a dad. They could still continue to do what they do. Right. Um, And it also kind of brings us back to this topic of something that you and I always talk about, which is kind of gender equality of, you know, dads becoming, trying to become more present dads and, uh, you know, what does a modern day dad look like? But I think it all kind of comes down to how women view kind of us as a whole and then how we look like after we become a mom. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I would do the same thing. I would try to pretend that like I got like everything is totally normal. Everything is fine. Like, you know, my team just could come over whenever I could go to the office whenever because I just didn't want them to view me differently either. Right. So I don't know. I just feel like it's different now. And we just have to have these like open conversations of like, it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to Mm -hmm. feel exhausted. And also another reason why I think a lot of women go through postpartum depression. I went through postpartum depression. I didn't Mm -hmm. even know that I had postpartum depression until until someone told me that I did. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's intense. I mean, I think, you know, for us, I mean, we've talked about, you and I have talked about this separately where it's like, you just feel like, you know, for me, I feel like I have to like overcompensate too. You know, it's, it's funny because, you know, the way I see it is like sometimes, you know, maybe for other people, you know, for, you know, if it were, if I were a male CEO, right. And I worked so hard, then my partner would see me and would be like, okay, my husband worked really, really hard all day. He should sit back, relax, let me pour him, you know, a glass of something and then I will watch the kids. But for me, and I know for maybe both of us, like we feel that guilt of like, man, I spent all day working. I was in meetings back to back. And when you come home, you just feel like you have to amp it up again. Right. Yeah. And be like this, like, you know, I know we give our kids baths, like 
we put them down. We like, you know, do all that. It's not like when we come home, we can just like kick our feet up and be like, oh yeah, we're like, you know, C-suite people and we're just going to kick back. And, you know, this is what we deserve now to relax. It's like such the opposite, which I think is so mentally exhausting too, right? I mean, it's a grind. And like, I think it's so helpful for me, at least with building our company, Bumo, to have someone like you because we're on the same wavelength. So like, we'll work all day and then, yeah, we'll come back and we'll literally do everything. And not saying that our our partners are not capable of, but I think you and I are kind of very similar in a sense where we feel guilty, as you said. So we we want to do it. So um, we do the baths, we do bedtime, we do dinner, we do like everything. And then and then we like get back onto the computer and like <laughs> and work until like 3, 4 a.m. every single day. Right. It's it's insane. Yeah. But the burnout is real. And I think it's something that, you know, women should be talking about and not feel guilty because I would also feel guilty feeling that way. Right. Like I should feel I should be thankful to have a job, to have this opportunity. Mm-hmm. I should feel thankful to have healthy kids. But I think we should also normalize the fact that it's okay to feel exhausted and burnt out because we all go through it. And it's okay to ask for help too. You know, I think for me, sometimes I, I do that where I like try to like overcompensate and do everything because I feel like, oh man, that's like my way of like, you know, making up for working so much and being this like kind of like semi-absentee mom during the day. It's not even being an absentee mom, it's just, I'm just working. And then at the end of the day, you know, you know, we both have like really present partners where they're like really great dads, you know, really involved, changing diapers, you know, taking care of the kids, super down to help with that. And, you know, we can always ask our partners for help, um, but then we don't because we internalize it. We're just, no, we have to do it. It's like our burden, our responsibility now. It's our turn when we come home. But on a day where we're really tired, like in the end, you think about it, it's like, dang, we should have just asked for help. And they would have been fine helping, right? Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. And it just kind of uh, brings memories back to like when you and I were traveling together for fundraising for Bumo, mm-hmm. we would take these crazy trips, like 24-hour trips. We'll leave at <laughs> the earliest flight that you could take for yeah. the day, which is usually what, like 5 a.m., 4 a.m.? Yeah, super early. Um, to fly to San Francisco, and then be there the whole day um, so we don't miss a beat and then come back for dinner time. We would like leave at like 4 p.m., take our last meeting and then come back. Um, and we did that multiple times. And we also would do that for New York as well. Right. And I just think about it and I'm like, wow, I would not have been able to do that without you because. Same. <laughs> <laughs> and that just that just shows you the importance of community, right? And not that, you know, everyone has to be flying on a plane to fundraise, but it just shows you that even the littlest things of like getting through the day to to have someone that you could talk to where you can relate to them. And for me, like when I talked to you throughout this whole process, I felt sane and I felt normal, right? Yeah. Whereas like if I didn't have that, then I would internalize everything in my head thinking that I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think women do that all the time. And I, I still do that all the time. I, I like to keep things to myself. And sometimes I feel like I'm doing too much. Sometimes I'm doing too little. So I think having a partner like you or having like some sort of community around me just helped me out so much during that time. Yeah. I mean, the same. It's it's so funny that we became co-founders because I feel like we have mirror like situations, right? Yeah. You know, we have 
two kids each. They're both, you know, five and under, um, you know, we have two other companies as well, or like each of us has another company as well that we started. And it's just like, you know, this constant, you know, what we, we talked about, I think a few days ago was like, oh my gosh, our brains are like so split. Right. Yeah. And, you know, having, you know, before, if I, if I did this by myself, I would have probably honestly given up because I would have been like, there's no way I could do this because I have two kids. I have another company. I have this and that, but then seeing you and you also have two kids, another company, another business and everything going on. Like for me, it's like, wow, you know, I think like, gosh, if Priscilla can do it, like I'm going to do it too. And, you know, and I think that's what keeps us going. Right. Is like, you know, you, you know, you and I, we just kind of like push each other, but not in an explicit way. Like, I don't tell you, come on, Crystal, you have to do, or you don't tell me that, but it's kind of like this unspoken language that I'm going to keep on going. And then you keep on going. And then when I'm like, kind of like, oh man, I see you going and I'm like, gosh, I have to just keep on going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like definitely super powerful. It's definitely like a marathon, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I, fun fact, I did run a marathon before and wow, I, I didn't was do this. crazy. <laughs> yes, absolutely crazy. I cannot even imagine. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Half a marathon, half a marathon. Uh, okay, so okay. still crazy because <laughs> I could barely even run like two miles now. Right. But it's, it's exactly like that. Like you just have, like for me, I don't even know how I finished it, but I kept looking at the person in front of me and I don't know who, who this person was. But yeah. I just kept looking at the person in front of me and I kept just following that person and yeah. following their lead. And at that point, if they stop, then I would stop too, but then I would look for mm-hmm. someone else that I could follow. Right. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to have someone that you could either model yourself after or follow their lead. And um, I think that's the same thing with parenting, whether it's building a business or parenting. I think it's very, very similar because the burnout is real. Everyone is so okay. exhausted you know, you have to kind of talk to people that have gone before you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I love hearing stories. I love hearing people having, you know, problems with their, their spouse or, you know, like the kids acting crazy and not being able to go to sleep because, because that gives me hope, right? Because these are things that we all go through. And when I hear other people go through them, I'm like, oh, okay this too shall pass, right? This too will eventually not be the normal anymore. And it's all about adaptation, I think, uh, just adapting to the moment. And so, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I <laughs> understand kind of like what you're saying is it's sort of, you know, you see things in such a rosy lens, you know, when you look at other people, right? And you just think, man, like that mom, you know, you walk around and you see, you know, that mom has it together. You know, she's that, you know, pre-COVID, I would see a mom at a restaurant and her kid would just like sit so still and like eat everything they were supposed to eat. And I see my child who's like, kind of like (laughs) throwing like knives everywhere. I was like, gosh, like what is wrong with me? Like why, why, you know, can I not get my kid together? Or, you know, I I see other things going on around me and, you know, I, I, you know, you just see that rosy lens, but you know, you, you don't realize that you see that for a split second and that mom who has the perfect kid you know, that kid might be perfect just for that moment, or she might have other things going on. Right. Yeah. And so, but we cling on to like, what is fantastical, right. What's like so ideal and so perfect. And we strive for that. And sometimes it can be good, but sometimes it also can be debilitating too, because then you feel so, so guilty, right. Mm. And holding on to this like 
unrealistic version of, of what reality is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you just don't know what people go through, you know, personally as well. Like, I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for me, everyone's always like, how do you do it all? How do you, you know, you seem like you have it all together. But a lot of times I'm like, I don't like you just don't see that online. Um, you know, I talked to you, Joan, about it. But, you know, I have my own marital issues. I have my own personal issues that I just don't really speak about. But everyone is going through their own battles. And you you just have to know that it's not as how it seems on the outside for parenting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's challenging. <laughs> really. I mean, I think I think that goes for everybody. I think it's really important for everybody to talk about and normalize. I mean, not talk about it in open unless if you anybody wants to, but like totally normalize the fact that, you know, everything is hard. Parenting is hard, you know, marriage is hard, you know, relationships is hard, family, extended family is hard, right? Yeah. And so all those things are so tough. I mean, you know, for me, like it's, you know, a lot of kind of like back and forth. Like I feel like even for us, like figuring out who's going to watch the kids with COVID and we don't really have help, you know, for me and my husband's like, okay, let's pick straws. And it's like one person's going to feel a little bit more resentful towards the other. Right. Yeah. And it's this buildup. And, you know, there, there are years where, you know, it was a really tough time for me maritally too. You know, it was like the year that I'm, we talked about Bumo and starting Bumo. That was honestly probably the hardest, hardest year of my marriage ever. And it was like, and I, you know, at that time, I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want you to feel like, man, she's going through a lot. And like, yeah. I don't know if I want her to be my co-founder yeah. and I can tell my employees, I can tell my family because I didn't want to worry about me, you know, but eventually like, you know, we got through it and, you know, we're better now than we were then for sure. And, you know, things are so much better, but, you know, it was a hard, hard time. And, you know, at that time, I wish I had like, you know, told you right away, like, Hey, this is what's going on in my life. And, and then I wouldn't have felt that pressure to, you know, I think I also felt that pressure to like also overwork to, to overcompensate for that Mm -hmm. as if like people around me knew, but nobody knew. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was, that was a really crazy time too um, in my life. Yeah. I mean, thanks for sharing that. I think a lot of people, especially listening to this, they, they're probably going through their own struggles as well, whether it be with their partners or with themselves or whatever. And I think it's just so important to to know that even people in high places, you know, yeah, um, everyone goes through it and it's okay. And like, again, my favorite thing to say is like, this too shall pass. Like that's the only way that I'm able to really get through every single day because I'm like, this will not last forever. This will not last forever. It's fine. Whether it be like a horrible habit that like my currently my youngest Colette, who's a great eater, as you know, and as a lot of you guys know, listening, you guys might watch her on Instagram eating. She will not eat anything. Like she won't eat anything all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, that's so hard to believe. Not even rice. You guys know how much she loves her rice. (laughs) And, um, and so I've just been very frustrated with that. Um, but I know, and now I'm watching Chloe and she is such a great eater and Chloe has never been a great eater. So it just reminded me and I just started chuckling the other day because I'm like these small nuances, like these things that bother us in the moment, like later on, we'll look back on it and be like, oh yeah, I remember those times. Like that was really frustrating, but you know, it's not like that anymore. So yeah, 
I mean, there's always those like moments, right? I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, it's, you're right. You know, everything is just, you know, there's gonna be tomorrow. There's gonna be the next day. There's gonna be next month, next year, whatever it is. And so, you know, nothing is permanent, right? Yeah. Um, Like, you know, the kids and their, their things that they do, it's not permanent, whether it's like, you know, struggling with a kid biting or a kid who's like not eating or throwing tantrums. Like my son now who likes to like take his one foot and like stomp it really hard to the ground. And he goes, "Mm, mm, mm," like, so loud and I'm just like what are you saying use your words please and I'm just like okay he's it's just a phase and he's gonna get past it and one of my um friends she said she's like you know I heard that when your kids go through phases where it's like really hard that's like them growing and Mm. they're like um developing and so she's like I just say that to myself and it makes me feel so much better like my kids (laughs) developing I'm like okay yeah I'll I'll say that if that makes me feel better um, that's yeah, a no, great no, way to look no. at it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say that to myself now too. Um, let's talk a little bit about kind of where we're at now, because a lot of people have been asking me personally, how have you guys managed to build a company during the pandemic? Um, mm-hmm. and not that this is about business building, it's about parenting, but I, I just want to talk mm-hmm. about how we've been able to be at home with our children. Yeah. Uh, we built BVS in, is it 11 days? 11 days. Yeah. yeah. So BVS, for those of you that don't know, it's Bumo Brain Virtual School. So it is vir- our virtual school. We, I'm not going to tell the entire story, but we quickly pivoted our original business model during the pandemic because one, we had to make revenue and we had to stay afloat. But two, we saw a huge demand and a huge need in this virtual learning space. And so again, this, this conversation is not about, you know, how to build a business, but I just want to talk a little bit about how we were able to pull it off. Um, <laughs> Cause I still, when I look back at it, I'm like, how do we pull this off? Like, I don't I, even know how we got here, but yeah. we both had both of our kids at home um, during COVID-19. Joan and I, we didn't see each other until I think it was uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we built, this company entirely through COVID and also without seeing each other. Yeah. Without seeing each other. It, it was, I mean, crazy. I mean, I, I look back and it was such a blur and, you know, I think, I mean, we have a challenge, right? Like for both of us, I feel like we were you know, incredibly challenged during this period, like, you know, making use of like nap time, right. To work as hard as possible when we have both kids home, Um, waking up earlier than the kids wake up. I know, Crystal, you're like such an early riser, which, you know, I need to get on that, that program. Um, But for me, I'm like a, you know, night owl. So I'll stay up to like two or three in the morning. And that's just what it was, was just like making use of those like weird pockets of time being super efficient. I don't think I've ever typed faster, emailed faster, thought faster than that, like 90 minutes when my kids were napping or during that time after 9 30 when they would go to sleep and they were sound asleep because I have kids who are like zombies they like to wake up in the middle of the night and come find me but yeah it was like it was so so hard but so rewarding at the same time right doing it as as parents and you know stuck at home and and not being able to get physical help anywhere yeah I mean same I think just finding those pocket of times Chloe doesn't nap anymore. So that was challenging. But during that time, I am not going to lie, like there was a lot of screen time that I 
felt very guilty about in the beginning, just because I, you know, I'm usually quite strict about times when she could use screen time. But I think it was the beginning of pandemic where we were not letting anyone in the house, no outside help, nothing. And then um, Alan, my husband, was still going to work because he works for uh, an essential company, essential business. So I did not know, like, when when that was our new reality, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But again, I think just seeing you do it and you figuring it out, I was like, okay, like, we just got to do this. And now we're here six months later. Has it been six months since the pandemic? It's been, yeah, it's almost six months. So, yeah. um, but like maybe like four and a half months since we started BBS. But it's, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. I mean, and same thing with you too. Like, I mean, my kids, I totally actually forgot about, you know, Netflix nanny, right? And like, <laughs> my, my son, who's like really young, I feel awful for saying this, but you know, he knows like so many different shows now. And, but, but, you know, the nice thing is they, they'll give me these random facts. So they're watching like these like really fun shows and they'll talk about like ant eaters and snow owls. Cause they're watching this like show on like wildlife. And that's like their favorite show to watch now. And so it makes me feel better. I'm like, oh, you're kind of learning something, <laughs> even though you're on the screen, like abundantly, like all day. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, you just make do, you know, and they're yeah. going to be fine. They're going to be fine. It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, they'll be fine. And I think this also reminds me of uh, Zoom calls. Like I remember these Zoom calls with you guys. And I think this is when we were starting to build our team. And like mm-hmm. Chloe was like all over me and and I just felt so yeah, literally on your head. <laughs> they're like on my head. And I felt bad because this is when like a lot of new hires were start starting, I think. And I, I don't remember, but I'm like, oh, this is like this is the company that you work for now. But I mean, I think that is just the reality for all parents across yeah. the globe, you know, having your kids in your Zoom calls, like yeah. that's what it is now. But, the, but that's the thing that's interesting, right? It's like you, at that time, you're like, oh gosh, sorry guys, this is the company you work for. Your C, your CMO has your kid. But, you know, in the end, like it's actually, the tune is so much different, you know, for Abuma. It's like, this is the company you work for. You know, we're mm. totally okay with having your kid like here, like, you know, you're a present mom and you're also a present CMO. And, and actually we just hired um, a few weeks ago, a teacher who has a one and a half year old. And I told her, if you're not teaching, your kid can be in all the Zoom calls. And last time for our big, big company meeting, you know, her daughter was like in the Zoom call and Chriselle and I were obviously like really fascinated, probably have had like a hint of baby fever, like, oh my gosh, so cute. Hi. And so, you know, it's, it's super, you know, you know, interesting too, because it's, it's really important for us to like normalize that. And I'm glad that, you know, the kids were in the Zoom call and, you know, my kids come in all the time too, because it's so important for parents to like not feel that badly about it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I also think that, you know, point being with all kind of like our stories is that if you're listening and you have some grand idea of something that you want to do, whether it be starting a website, starting a brand, starting a company of some sort, and it just seems so grandiose and like out of reach, And you don't even know if you can do it just because you're just like, I have kids, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know when I'm going to find the time, but I hope that whoever's listening can use Joan and I as an example of you are able to really do whatever you put your, your mind to. And 
you know, it, I'm not going to say it's easy. It's, it's incredibly challenging. It's incredibly hard. But don't let the fact that just because you have kids stop you from doing what you want to do. You know, I've, I've heard so many people and parents saying, well, I have kids now and I, I, I just don't know if I could do it anymore. Sometimes I just want to like shake them up and be like, no, that's exactly the reason why you should be pursuing it. I mean, yes, it is 10 times more challenging because of timing and scheduling and all of that. But for me, I think, you know, I, I think any parent could really achieve whatever it is that they, they, they really want to. And their reason and their motivation should be even bigger now because of their kids. So. Right. Studies even show that, you know, parents make better CEOs. I mean, you're more empathetic um, and, you know, maybe companies need, you know, C-suite executives that are parents who understand, you know, the working parent and how it is to be a new parent. So definitely, you know, I, I see that, you know, it's, it is daunting. It's hard, like you said, but it can be done, you know, for us, it wasn't easy, but, you know, we hope that other people listening, like you said, really understand that it's, it's achievable. Totally. Oh, and funny, funny thing is a uh, quick story. This reminds me when we were fundraising, a lot of the people that we would, would meet, they didn't have kids. And some of them would, they wouldn't say it up front, but you know what I'm going to say, Joe, yeah. they would be like, well, it's like, you guys both have kids. Like, how are you going to make this happen? I, I remember specifically one person saying something like that. And I was like, <gasps> right. It, it was like almost a handicap when it was actually our best, I don't want to say it's a tool parenting, parenting is not a tool, but it was like, we, we were firsthand, you know, it, we're like in it, we're in the thick of it, right. Parenting, trying to start a company. And, you know, um, what we were trying to do was start a, a co-working space with a licensed childcare pre COVID before we did virtual school. And so we were trying to show people that there is a need for that. And there is a need for that, right. Parents want to be co-located with their kids when they work because new parents are changing their mindset and, you know, on how they see parenting. But anyway, and it was just so hard to get them to have conviction in that idea and then conviction in us too, because they just saw these like, oh, look at these two new moms with two little kids. And yeah, they're really going to go start a big company. Okay, sure. And that was like, almost like Chriselle and I are so, you know, we get it so amped up and like you and I were just like, you know, just really just like motivated. I think after that, we're like, oh yeah, we're going to show all of them that we can do it. And, you know, and, you know, we still have a long way to go, but definitely still trying to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Use kind of all the negativity. And I think for us, what, what's your sign, Joan? I, mean, I don't even know what your sign is. No Libra. Okay. Well, I don't know much about Libras, but for me, I'm an Aries and I get fired up when someone yeah. tells me I can't <laughs> do something. Um, <laughs> So yeah, use it as your motivation. But anyways, we're coming towards the end of this. Um, but I want to quickly talk a little bit about Boomer Brain um, Virtual yeah. School. And can we, can you do like an elevator pitch? of? Because you could say it so much better than I can. Um, so can you quickly do an elevator pitch of what Boomer Brain Virtual School is and why it's so different? And if people are interested, you know, where they could find us and all of that. Right. So Boomer Brain Virtual School is a program that offers daily age-specific activities for kids who are anywhere from two to six years old. So 
We also offer on top of that live classes too for kids actually as young as one years old in different areas from chemistry to dinosaurs to oceanography to Korean, Spanish, Chinese. Um, so think of it as like, you know, synchronous learning um, through live classes that you can add on and asynchronous daily lesson planning, which are really fun. Lots of unplugged activities, uh, lots of learning videos too. So it's kind of a great balance of both. Yeah. and. You know, this is something that we were building during COVID because we just saw a need for it for our own children. And now that we have the product and it's here, it's just so crazy to realize that kids can actually effectively learn virtually. Because before that, you know, my personal experience, just so you guys know how this all came about, um, because a lot of you guys probably know me as Chriselle and fashion and beauty, like how did she get into education? And it's really this pain point that I personally experienced when COVID first happened and her school, Chloe's school, they were like, well, we're all going virtual. So let's meet online, went online, put her in these huge Zoom classes with like 18 other kids. Yeah. Um, Teachers didn't really know what they were doing because it's not their fault. They, no one knew that a pandemic was going to happen, a global pandemic, and no one was really trained to teach on Zoom. Right. So Mm Um, so when I experienced these classes, I was like, what is this? Like, no one can talk. Like, it's like show and tell. Chloe has never experienced virtual learning before. Mm -hmm. So it almost gave her this fear of sitting in front of a computer because Mm -hmm. it was information overload because there was like so many kids and so many things happening and she didn't really know where to focus. Um, and so um, I had to almost unwind what her first experience with virtual learning was. And so that is when I called up Joan and I was like, Hey, can I use one of our instructors to like one-on-one teach Chloe? I just, I just need something temporary until I figure out what I'm going to do with her, her learnings. And so she offered one of our, our instructors and it was the most magical experience I've ever witnessed. Chloe was lighting up. She was engaging with her teacher. She was laughing. She was showing her like different stuff in her room. Like, it felt like a real relationship. And she was excited to meet her again the following week. And she would talk about things that she would want to show her teacher throughout the week and try to like impress her. And for me, I was like, wow, this really feels like the closest thing to a real life classroom. And that's when I told Joan, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if you're experiencing this, but I feel like we need to do something about this because we have something really special here. Um, And that's when Boomer Brain Virtual School was born. And we literally got the domain on what date was it? Um, I think it was like April 9th. And then we launched the website April 20th. Yeah. (laughs) So in 11 days, we built the school. And of course it wasn't perfect at first, but, you know, I am so proud of where it is at now because we're serving, you know, hundreds and hundreds of families around the globe that Mm -hmm. are able to experience what virtual learning should be and how effective it should be or how effective it can be. So all the educational side um, goes to Joan. Like I, I am purely like the one who gets the word out there, the marketer who like shares with the world, how amazing the product is. Um, but Joan is really the brain with her um, ed team on kind of the curriculum. And, you know, we have 350 years of educational experience background between our teachers and, you know, the board that we've created. And yeah, I'm just like super proud of what we've been able to build. 
So yeah, it's truly incredible. I mean, I, you know, sometimes take a step back and think about like, wow, like how do we get here to this point now uh, from where we started? And, you know, it's like so such grit and um, a lot of creative solutions were like parenting and child um, caring uh, during this time. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's really incredible to watch all the kids and their engagement with the program and, and to watch your own kids too. I think that's actually very special is, you know, I always get so excited to show my own kids the sort of things that we're doing and, and then see, you know, I know Chloe was doing that dinosaur egg yeah. that I designed and it was like a math activity with dinosaur eggs because it's dinosaur month this month. And you know, that was like super cool to see her do it too and really engage in it. But yeah, it's been, it's been a great ride and have so much more to tackle, but definitely really proud of what we've done so far as two moms of two kids under five, right? Yep. If we can do it, anyone else out there can achieve what they want to achieve. So if you guys are interested, first of all, uh, in learning more about Boomer Brain, you guys can visit boomerbrain.com or follow us at boomerbrain on Instagram. And then our community Instagram is at boomoparent, where uh, we talk about all fun things, all things parenting, lots of humor in it as well. But I think, I, I feel like I could talk to you forever, but I feel like we should probably <laughs> stop at some point. Um, if there, I, I just want to close it with this. If there is, one thing, Joan, that you could give advice to all parents out there, what would that one tip be? Oh gosh, probably the illusion of perfection, right? There is only the perfect parent for your child and that's you. You know, every parent is different. You know, you can't look in, cause that's what I used to do. Look at other moms and be like, why can't it be like her and be there for play dates at 2 PM or whatever it is. But I'm me. And when my daughter brings her fake laptop to me and she's like, mommy, I'm in a meeting. I'm like, that's my daughter, you know, and I'm the perfect mom for her. And so I think that illusion of perfection is something that, you know, every parent should understand that it's, it's what you create it to be, not somebody else's vision of perfection. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Joan. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. If you guys, I, I always end our podcast, with like, where can you find where, where can someone find you? And now that I think of it, you're private on Instagram, so they can't really find you anywhere. But I guess they could find you on uh, Boomer Brain's page. Yeah, or I mean, you can email me too. I do get a lot of emails, but like joan at Um can find me there if there's any burning, pressing questions. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I'll see you All soon. Right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you liked it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It really is the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more of us, head over to our Instagram and follow us there at Bumo Parent. And to learn more about Bumo Brain Virtual School, follow us at Bumo Brain or head over to BumoBrain.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys next week.